This is Ryan Stegman, and you're listening to Superior Spider Talk. Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the 33rd episode of Superior Spider Talk. We're a third of the way to 100, Mark. We're 33 and a third of the way through, right? <laughs> Maybe when we get a third of the way through this show, we'll, uh, we'll make a note of it. There we go. Pop some champagne. Yep. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, and for that episode 33 and a third, we'll be discussing Superior Spider-Man number 29, answering some fan mail and discussing all the spider news that is fit to print. Uh, Dan and I have had a bit of a crazy schedule uh, recently, right, Dan? So we're going to be skipping on the uh, vintage issue this time around. Yeah, we're really sorry, but I, I know that I've been hopping all over the planet and country, and Mark, your business is making big moves. Yeah, something like that. So <laughs> it's 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 been busy times, but we'll 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 get back into the classic issues as we go around. Plus, you know, you can read about some good classic stuff on each of our respective websites. So you're not totally devoid of of classic content. I, I hope certainly not that you'll check out both of our sites. So if you guys want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. Also, if you hear this sound. Please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, it's about that time. Let's get right into it. Superior Spider-Man number 29. Superior Spider-Man number 29. Um, well, Dan, uh, you know, let me just start things off with a with a general comment. Um, you know, I, 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 I find myself getting frustrated with Goblin Nation right now. There just seems to be a little something missing from the storyline to like kind of kick it into its next gear. I feel like for something where there's a lot going on and a lot of subplots, there's still this weird meandering pacing quality to it you know we're we're, we're checking in on on storylines because it almost feels like we're obligated to and you know i'm looking at the calendar and we got an annual issue and two regular issues left and part of me is wondering what what's what's going to happen here and not in that oh what's going to happen here but more like what's going on dance lot like why why aren't we moving a little faster here yeah, I'm. I, you know, with, with Spider Island, I felt like this threat, and I do feel a threat here. I mean, clearly the goblin is destroying much of the city, but um, it seems to be like you know, there's no overwhelming force. I feel like for you know Otto to overcome, or I don't feel like he's like running from a clock necessarily. He's kind of just moving from event to event. I I, I don't know if I'm crazy, but do you feel similarly about this? That like Spider Island, I was like. This seems like unbeatable, and here it's like like little arena fights, you know, that are going on. Yeah, it's 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 very kind of ADD oriented in terms of going from one thing quickly to the next, and and without without anything really kind of evolving into the next, and and when we do get a call back to an old storyline, I mean, I, I kind of question the the intent of it. I mean, we got. Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara in this issue, and you're kind of like, does he really belong here? And you have um, some things with the Spider Slayers, which we'll get to in a minute, and some things with MJ where, you know, I I'm wondering, did MJ 
actually like forget about the last few issues of the, with the with the uh, symbiote because it seems like you know she's back to getting abused by by Otto and just kind of shrugs her shoulders and is like ah what a jerk and that's that you know like it, it just uh, you know goes from one to the next to do to do to do but nothing is nothing is evolving nothing is flowing and and i just i just don't know where this is going and and like i alluded to earlier not in that good curious like my interest is peaked kind of way i'm kind of i'm kind of losing interest and that's a scary thing right now i'm just waiting for the story to get to what it wants to do um you know it's you know it feels like with this issue and the last one are almost the same issue it's like Here's an idea, and let's incrementally move it forward. Uh, I wonder if one of the big things that I, I'm responding to in my not dislike of this storyline, I like this a lot more than I liked Slot's Ends of the Earth uh, story. Right. Um, but, but I wonder if the removal of the supporting cast and getting them out of the city uh, is what has kind of disconnected me from this thing having the weight that it seems to want to have. Yeah, I mean, it could be that, um, but I mean, there there are just, I mean, with, with the stories that we are focusing on and for the people who are still within the universe, there's just a lot of, like, weird little plot holes and inconsistencies. Like, let's talk about the Anna Maria situation. I mean, this this was something that bothered me considerably when we talked about Superior 28. I really didn't understand why she was being brought into the equation if... Uh, the goblin didn't technically know his identity, and 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 um, we're still not really getting an answer on that. Like like what what is outside of um, putting the you know the low hanging fruit out there of up? Oh, it's it's the girl of Spider Man in the possession of the Green Goblin. Bad things are going to happen. What, what what is what is the meaning of this subplot? I don't. I it, it just seems like it's just there. Yeah, it's odd because you know the the last issue get us got us in the mindset that oh no you know Anna Maria is being kidnapped and and you and I responded to that in in the way that we did saying that was kind of awkward, but in, in this issue you know it's re- revealed that the goblin is actually dangling uh, you know Lamaze, uh, and that makes a little bit more sense you know in that he could look into their history together, although I'd have to think that there is someone maybe a little more precious. Than Lamaze that he could have scrounged up. Um, yeah, as a, right. A friend of Otto's who Otto actively detested. Um, but like that, I understand. Uh, and then he says, "Well, if not him, then maybe we'll use this other person to kind of dangle it in front of him." But I think I think uh, the, the the communications with uh, with Peter Parker are really at the heart of why all this isn't really. Like functioning correctly, um, there's this whole idea that you know the goblin is hacking into Peter's headset and talking to him, which serves as like the backbone for how this story, this issue progresses. And you know, like you said, Mark, I have I am having a really hard time accepting that the goblin can hack into Parker Industries, hack into you know Spider-Man's particular headset, and still not know that it's Peter Parker, like. Or, like, know the vicinity of the thing he's hacking into and get a guy over there to see that it's Peter. I, there's there's so many it's, – it's a guy who has so many resources but also no resources. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. I mean it's it, it, it really pushing the limits of suspension of disbelief here. And, and, and you know, I think if maybe there were other, you know, shiny, exciting things to be distracting me, I would be – you know be able to forgive it because you know that this is i mean i i do like dan slot as a writer but i mean like he does as we've talked about many times in the past he does have a tendency to kind of surf story over character but in the past i've said you know but when you get to the end of the story and you're in a really cool place you almost you, you kind of can forgive some of those inconsistencies and 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 weird character moments because the payoff was there and as of right now like I, I don't feel as riveted to keep reading as I had been earlier in his run of Superior. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, and and we could we could at some point on this episode maybe speculate as to why we're 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 not seeing a payoff in sight. But um, but the fact is, I just I just don't I just don't. It's it's frustrating. I I want I really 
you know, I think I said to you, said when we did our review of Superior 26 that I, I kind of was going into this with sky high expectations. I, you know, I, I was buying into the hype. I wanted to love this, this arc more than anything. And I'm just kind of, I don't dislike it. I just don't feel riveted by it the way I thought I would. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about the things that we have liked about it so far. Yeah, please. And you and I really responded to the, you know, Otto and Norman or whoever's in the mask sitting down at the table and having a conversation with each other. Like that to me was uh, a writer being confident and being like, you know what? This confrontation that you want to see, I'm getting it out of the way immediately so we can move into the other stuff. And we moved into the other stuff and I feel like we've moved away from that core tenant of what could make this an interesting idea of these two guys going up against each other. And now we're being drowned in like – all these subplots. Uh, yeah, and, and a self-awareness too, you know what I mean? It's like it, it, it's uh, – there are scenes where, you know, Goblin is talking about like, you know, the grand finale and things like that. And, I was just going to bring that up, yeah. yeah and, and yeah, you know what I mean? And it just seems like it's 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 too cheeky and self-aware. Like like is this is this really how the story was supposed to go or are there higher forces at play in editorial that are dictating the pacing of this, of this story right now? Because it just seems – too self-aware to be to, to to even be organic, you know. Yeah, I mean, like the Goblin has always been one for theatrics, but like it seems like he's like trying to make a big emotional thing. When earlier it was really not emotional, and maybe and maybe that's what it was when 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 Otto turned down his offer, it became an emotional thing. But I mean, it the Goblin feels like he's a writer of a story. <laughs> And he's, like, trying to, like, make this thing as, like, eventful as Gwen's death. But what made Gwen's death so eventful was how not eventful it was. Like, it just happened, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, and 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 it was shocking because you weren't expecting it, you know what I mean? Whereas, you know... I, Things are being telegraphed right now, whether it's with Anna Maria or another or in other venues. I mean, you know, even the big scene, the double page spread of of the goblin blowing up all of Otto's childhood uh, and personal connected buildings. I mean, like, you know, that the scene like that has more resonance if we if we had a proper build to it. But we really didn't, you know, like outside of, um, you know, the clinic with cardiac. We haven't really established Otto's connections to any of these places. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, maybe less is more in this case. Maybe, maybe the the bomb should have been just that cardiac, and you know, they could have focused on. And this is where you redeemed yourself, and and you know, like you, you went from you went from wannabe hero to hero when you saved that girl, but now it's gone, and so's the girl. You know, <laughs> like you know, show the discarded bear of the girl. Or, you know, was it a, a little stuffed bear or whatever she was holding during the surgery? You know what I mean, like. Like, 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 call back to those moments and really hit you with some emotional punch instead of just kind of carpet bombing everything, you know, literally. She had a stuffed Spider-Man. I could see this stuffed Spider-Man burning somewhere. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think actually, like, it, you know, uh, looking, thinking about, like, Ultimate Spider-Man, you know, like, the this could use a little bit more of that pacing, I think. If they want to get that kind of emotional thing. But, like, I, I don't want to throw this completely on slot because this is actually co-written by uh, Christos Gage. Gage. Yes. And um, there's some dialogue here that, like, you know, uh, typically I guess my assumption is that Gage does the dialogue and slot does the plotting. Yeah, that's um, usually, yeah. And there's some even some dialogue here that seems really self-aware. Like, Spider-Man says after, like, the Goblin threatened him about, like, teaching a lesson and stuff he's like you emphasize those words you know and it's like what did spider-man read the bold font on the page like, <laughs> did he did he see that like yeah, yeah. You know, or he asked like spider-man 2099 like why are you in this timeline like yeah okay like, i think there would probably be a more natural thing to say to a guy than why are you in this timeline i i, I don't know it's just these things seem like really on the nose to me yeah it's it no you're you're right on um but let's you know we did say we wanted to talk about some things we liked um yeah. both of us i think we both responded well to the jonah and glory grant scene right yeah i did um i think this is actually like one of the weakest drawn scenes in 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 the book but i did like the emotional uh 
uh, point that it's making here because you and I talked last time about how serious Jonah was getting, you know, with with this revenge thing. And yeah. I'm glad that someone has noticed, and it seems like like I've o- always been saying that Jonah's time as mayor is short lived. It seems as though that is actually the where this book is headed, um, with you know even his staff giving up on him um, as they see that he's becoming a madman. Um, and, and and so I appreciated that. Yeah, and, and the fact is, I mean, Glory Grant's a character. She's been around for, for, for decades, so it's nice to see kind of the old guard having a moment like that, you know? Like, it's it wasn't just, like, some random assistant to Jonah that was created three years ago for some storyline that nobody remembers anymore. You know, it's like, it's like, no, this, this, this packs more punch because it's, it's glory. You know, glory's glory's been involved in a secondary role in some really interesting stories over the years. So, you know, having her be the one to kind of call out Jonah for his ridiculousness, it, it, it packs more of a wallop. Yeah. And even Jonah admits, he says like, I don't care about my, you know, career as mayor, you know, this is the one thing. So I, I think, you know, I'm going to stand by my if if a Silver Age character dies, it's going to be Jonah. Um, but uh, I think regardless of how it work, shapes up, Jonah will probably not be in the position of power that he was once in in this. And I, I think this scene might be the first sign of that happening. Yeah, no, I, 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 I hear you on that. I mean, I, I don't know if the, if they would really kill off Jonah, but you know, maybe there's some way that he just gets written out for a long while, you know? Yeah, because, I don't think they're going to do it, but that would be my guess. I don't know. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, you were wrong about the living brain being dead, though. I was. I thought very clearly the living brain was dead, but here he's kind of just fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't you can't stop the living brain. <laughs> didn't, we, didn't we have <laughs> someone write in and say, like, wouldn't it be... Like just awesome if like Peter's soul was like stuck inside the living brain. That was my idea. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm confusing our speculation with our fan speculation. I apologize. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> it would. I still, I still stand behind that. It would be funny. Yes. Um, we 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 get some Carly Cooper in this issue. Although again, it's 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 another one of those like kind of like here and that here and you're done moments. Like not. You know, she's strapped into a chair. She doesn't look very comfortable. Otto's trying to find a cure with, um, what's her name? Um, Sanjay. Um, until Sajani. she. Sajani. I'm sorry. Uh, it's been one of those weeks, Dan. And it's only, it's only earlier in the week. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but it wasn't really an impactful scene, right? Yeah. I, I think this scene is a great example of like all the things that don't necessarily work in this book. And maybe even the last issue, too, is that we're getting a lot of second act stuff in his story. And it's just like little bits of second act. We build, we do all the hard work to arrive at a dramatic moment. And then mm-hmm. there's never that payoff for the dramatic moment. Or if there is one, it's not strong enough. So like here, I think the dramatic payoff was meant to be that Otto was like, I don't really care. You're the one. You just take care of it, you know? And yeah. to me, that's like, okay, that's a moment. But. Yeah. You know, like, it, what, 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 what am I supposed to take away from that? We've had that moment before. We yeah, have, yeah. It's not a new moment. Uh, the, you know, I, I don't think I was as, as, as hot for it as you were, but the Lamaze stuff was pretty cool, right? Yeah, I, I mean, actually, I actually dig that stuff. Um, I think it is undermined by the whole, like, how it was arrived at, but I like the idea of what that scene is trying to say. Yeah, that 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 had a powerful message. You know, Lamaz sacrifices himself because you know Spider Man inspires him to, to do such. Correct? Yeah, and he and he says that you know he saw himself as like a fat, pompous ass, and that when Spider Man saved him, he he realized that you know uh, you know he could do something with with that that lesson that he that he like learned. And I think it's kind of almost like a micro statement about the superior. Uh, idea or concept but maybe fulfilled in a different way although my problem with it is that we never saw that moment of realization from Lamaz like he's just suddenly arrived at it you know yeah I mean you know when when the goblin kind of pulled back the curtain so to speak and revealed Lamaz as the prisoner I mean you know my first instinct was to kind of laugh because it's like oh this idiot 
well, you know, he's he's a red shirt. He's expendable. You know, <laughs> like let's <laughs> let's 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 get let's get to the to the gutting and filleting of this guy. And then you know, obviously, it was meant to convey more than that, which which is why I wasn't as as caught up in it. I mean, you know, I, I actually. Um, a reader on my site had asked me, "Oh, you didn't you didn't even write about the Lamaze thing? Why didn't I write? You know, why didn't I write about the Lamaze scene?" And and I was like, "You know what? Like, for everything that's going on, and kind of like some of my larger concerns and and whatnot about what's going on in the Spider Verse right now, the Lamaze scene just didn't stand out to me. I felt I I, I just kind of I didn't react to it. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a cold fish, Dan. Yeah, you're a cold fish, Mark. <laughs> um." Let's talk I, about the goblin because I was gonna say, well, one thing I did react to: we want to talk about the goblin, or we want to talk about Norman because we still don't know if they're one and the same. I mean, at this point, I mean, we we've said we've given up on speculation, and I think at this point, we're all meant to believe that it, it is Norman, right? The guy in the mask is acting like Norman, talking like Norman, and we get a reveal of Norman at the end. Kind of like a digital display of Norman, whether or not that is the same person that's in the go- goblin suit is yet to be discovered. Uh, and I'm not so interested, I guess, about who the identity is more as how it's playing out as a story. What did you think, Mark? Yeah, I mean, this is this is another example of me being a little little worried about things because, um, you know, you, we, we, we got that that teaser image for the cover of 29 that clearly showed Norman in in the screen although when we first saw the um the spider slayers in the comic uh in this issue initially with with the way Jonah's face was being drawn by Comicoli I was like well you know maybe if you change the angle a little bit the cover image it's not Norman you know they're not spoiling what's going on here but then we see Norman and it's like ta-da and it just <laughs> It didn't the, the impact didn't land because I feel like we've spent so much time kind of you know if if you're gonna build if 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 you're gonna build a mystery then it needs to it needs to be a mystery and when you, when all the evidence just points to one person um you know that's not really fun to speculate about anymore and you know if slot turns around and it's Norman, but with a twist. At this point, I, I like I just don't care enough about it anymore because it's like you're not you're not giving me a bone for other people that I maybe should be keeping an eye on. You know, like like as as poorly as the Hobgoblin reveal was botched in the '80s. At least you know, like you had Ned, you had Flash, you had Lance Batten, uh, <laughs> you had you know who's the Rose, and you know oh there's some weird stuff with this Kingsley guy. I mean, like you know there, there was. Like, like little bones being thrown and and with this it's like it's it's norman 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 and you know like there, there hasn't even been a tease about harry there hasn't even been a tease about you know some of the other people we speculated about like a vin gonzalez or or you know one of the uh what's the 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 the, the child that shall not be named um not normie but um the gray goblin or or uh the the twins uh was didn't we didn't somebody suggest one of the twins could be yeah the green gun? yeah certainly i mean you know like I even heard people saying that Stanley, the baby, is is the goblin. Yeah, so you know, like, who isn't the goblin? Who isn't the goblin? But this is all coming from the fans. It's nothing from the text, you know. So it's like I feel like this this mystery's been overplayed, and now and now, like when when it's eventually revealed that all of our assumptions are right, or well. Norman's involved, but only on a mastermind level, and you know, because he's he's you know just got out of his coma and can't physically be the goblin anymore. Blah 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 blah. I mean, are we really going to get? Are we really going to care who's under the mask at this point? Does it matter? It has got. It has got to be the single most interesting reveal that is not full of complicated comics logic, in order for me to care about it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I, and I can, you know what? Like, can consider me like I can be wrong. Like, absolutely, slot wow me. You know, I want to be wowed. I want to enjoy this. But at this point, I kind of wish I hadn't read Dan Slot's Twitter and read about him saying who is like it might not be Norman Osborn because 
clearly it is Norman Osborn or whatever or you know whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's Norman with maybe some kind of condition or catch, and yeah. and, and 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 you know. Is that catch enough to make me go, this has been worth the whatever 20-issue build-up to this? I don't know. I feel like this is the How I Met Your Mother of comic books. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, just get on with it now, man. Like, this is not even fun anymore. <laughs> but I also think it has a detrimental impact on how you read this comic, too. Because what is the impact behind the relationship if you don't know really who is behind that mask? Like... What what are we meant to get out of this dramatic the dramatics of this relationship? You know, the Green Goblin was always good not because of the terror he caused, but because of the personal relationship. And I just don't know what that is right now. I I assume there's one there because he talks about it like there is. Right, but you know, and and it's not like there's an established connection between Norman and Otto in the comics. Not really. I know we're gonna get a team up issue that from. You know, Kevin Shinnick and Ron Friends um, that talks about that, but I don't know. <laughs> it's like, what am I caring about here, right? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, you know, another, yeah, kind of a letdown. Eh, eh. Um, I, I think let's... the real letdown is, 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 is coming up. Like, will, will, the real determination is on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. But um, in terms of, of plot thing, of, of plots points, one thing I really did want to make sure we talked about was the dreamscape sequence. Yeah. Um, with Peter, and um, you know, we're, we're we're obviously fastly, you know, Peter is is going through Otto's memories, and you know, he's basically pretty much thinks of himself as Doc Ock at this point. Um, and we're getting to the events that triggered Amazing Spider-Man 700. So, I mean, what, what, is this going to be like a snake eating its own head? What's going on here, Dan? I mean, I, I, that's what I imagine is going to happen. He's going to get to 700 wherein he is injected with all the memories that he subjected uh, Dr. Octopus with back in issue 700. I mean, that's what it seems to be building towards to me whether or not i think this is appropriately placed within this comic is a whole other thing because it just basically comes out of nowhere um yeah the flow of the action yeah i mean yes another beautiful spread from comicoli kind of doing these callback we got some uh owl octopus war images thrown in there which made me happy but you know i i don't know where this belongs uh in the in the book and uh, you know like (laughs) Again, this kind of goes back to the original thing I was saying about this issue. We we have an annual and two issues left. And, you know, we had this very dramatic scene in Superior 26 of Peter in the Mindscape, Marcos Martin, beautiful drawing and calling back to Amazing Spider-Man 33. And, you know, there was a part of me that thought, from this point on, you know, not that not that Peter would be back before the end of the series too much in advance, but that we were going to have a gradual build to Peter's triumphant return. And we've just gotten so far away from that. That's not what we're doing right now. It's 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 this this meandering subplot that we're just checking in on because, you know, Dan it's wants to remind us. On, yeah. Yeah. Dan, Dan Slott wants to remind us that, you know, come April, amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker's back. Where is he? <laughs> um, we'll get he to that. Sold, he sold us on something so pure and so wonderful. This idea of Peter fighting, you know, with his core elements. And like you said, yeah, it's not what we're getting. And, you know, I'd be okay if what we were getting was something that I was really interested in, but. I'm not particularly interested in this idea. Right. Yeah. They, I mean, like, like there better be like some kind of groundbreaking revelation with what, what Peter is dealing with in this next in superior 30. Cause otherwise like, you know, and then this is, this is the other thing that kind of weighs in my head. And, you know, we, we probably at some point before we wrap up the superior, we do really need to do a legitimate review of amazing Spider-Man 700 because, you know, my biggest my biggest complaint about Amazing Spider-Man 700 was how we just kind of like went from, you know, Otto and 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 Spidey fighting each other, you know, in each other's bodies 
uh, Peter, Peter is on his deathbed. I'm going to inject you with my memories. And, uh, and now I'm a hero now. It, like, and it, like, it just came out of nowhere. And I'm like, um, this, like, you know, and this is the same creator who's, who's doing this current story. And I'm like, are we just going to get like the last two pages of superior 31? Uh, I'm back. Or am I? And do I have my memories? I don't know. Tune in in two weeks. You know, <laughs> like it's just, you know, what, what there's, there's no momentum in this story. Yep, and so I guess that's something we're going to have to keep coming back to to see, you know, if that's how it ends up. I, I certainly hope it's not, but, you know, yeah, you, the same fear that you have exists within me. Yeah, I, um, you know, and, and I really don't want to keep coming. You know, I know that we're, we're, we're the podcast that doesn't just, you know, take a poop on everything that, you know, Marvel does, and I, I really hope it's not coming across that way. But I think I think these are legitimate concerns, right, Dan? We're not we're not just like being crotchety here, are we? Yeah, uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think your concerns are maybe a little greater than mine. I, I tend to kind of hope for the best until I read it. Um, right. And uh, in this case, I'm I'm reading it, and uh, for me, I'm not so worried about the resolution of this series. I think it's meandering a bit. I think I see where these points are headed. Um, and I just think that maybe this issue was just a – I particularly didn't like it because – I know that I didn't really like it. I mean I didn't like it or hate it. Um, but it feels like a re- repetition of the last issue. And I think that's really its biggest sin is that it repeats everything we liked and disliked about the previous issue. Yeah. And the yeah. story, Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, it's, you know, I'm, I, I don't see myself as one of those uh, comic book fans who uh, thinks he can do better than the writers. But when I'm sitting there being like, why is it going in this direction? Wouldn't it be more, you know, elegant if we went here instead? Or shouldn't we be like doing these kind of sequences at this point? That kind of like frustrates me because it's like, I don't want to be doing that. You know what I mean? I want to be so taken by this story that I wouldn't even dare to try and reimagine it my own way and and i'm just not getting that so that's that's probably what's coming through um you want to talk about some uh common here yeah sure um you know i think uh all the things we've said about common in the past are are true again here are you, do you agree with that mark that- i do um i i kind of had this moment as looking at that double page spread with the with the boom 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 uh with gob with the goblin's face i'm like you know is 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 Kamikoli's goblin starting to look like really look like the Joker now? I mean, it's it's getting a little too too similar, right? Or am I just? I mean, it's imagine? also pumped up by the ha ha ha's that are literally in the background. Yeah, he looks just like the Joker, and I I, I think I tweeted to you a while back, Mark, that I think Kamikoli would be a great Batman artist. Yeah, definitely. I mean, his characters are stocky. I may have even said it here on the show, but yeah, yeah I, think I think you said it on the show too. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think. Maybe he heard me or something, and traveled back in time. And when he was re- drawing this, but yeah, they really look like the Joker. Um, and that's not a criticism necessarily, but I mean, you know, and and maybe this is moving away from from Norman because, like, if anything, I feel like in the in the um, later years of of the Norman's Green Goblin existence, he's kind of been more of this. Lex Luthor style character, you know, not not, like, you know, he kind of had elements of both, but it was more of like this, you know, you know, uh, well-to-do businessman who would lose control because he was criminally insane. But, um, you know, this is, this is like very kind of youthful and, and, and um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's more, more chaotic than what we, what we've been getting from a Norman Green Goblin over the last 10, 15 years. Perhaps it's intentional. Yes, perhaps. I said youthful, and, you know, there still is another Norman Osborn out there that we refuse to mention anymore, but, you know, he is a Norman Osborn. Yeah. Um, and he's youthful. <laughs> quite youthful. Um, yeah, Probably I a don't little know. too youthful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, again, I think Common Coley's a bit of a mixed bag. One thing I have noticed, though, um, whenever I read the issue first in paper, I'm always like, uh, not really feeling his art- artwork. But when I do the um, the guided view on the digital version of of these comics, I find myself enjoying 
his work a lot more because I think he's a really great details guy. And there's a lot of little like things he's hidden in panels and, and little things he gets in there. And um, I think it makes it a tough job for the inker, which is why I think his the inks in these books are a bit scratchy and not as fully formed as, you know, say someone like, you know, the inks that are done on, on top of Ramos's pencils. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, you know, I, I've always really enjoyed getting in close to these images. So if you're not really digging his artwork, you know, I, I might I might suggest to you to go and uh, read the books through again um, on your digital app because I, I found a lot more enjoyment that way. Yeah, although I think I think we're probably some of the few people who who actually prefer Ramos to Kamakoli for whatever reason. So. We're probably, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I happen to think Ramos and them, when he, when, especially when he's inked by Victor Olazaba, it just looks phenomenal. But you know, that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we want to do we want to grade out here, Dan boy? Yeah, I think it's about that time. So, Mark, uh, what are you giving this book? Well, you know, I I, I, I hate to be negative. I'm going to give it a C. Just kind of stuck stuck in the middle, average comic for me. Yeah, and I, and I am going to give it a C minus. It's it's just slightly below average for me, and it might not be that it's like below an average of a normal comic book, but for where it is in this story, this like what we're assuming is the end of Otto's time as Superior Spider-Man, or are we uh, assuming that? Like, I expect more out of this, and um, so I'm I'm giving it a C minus. All right, Dan. Well, why don't why don't we head into our comments and emails? So as everybody knows, you can uh, leave comments for us through iTunes by uh, searching on Superior Spider Talk. And uh, when you leave a comment, also please rate our podcast because that's how we grow as a community with your ratings and, and comments. Uh, also, you can email us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com and we will either read your whole email or at least read excerpts of it uh, online if you want to shoot us any questions or just some general uh, words of encouragement, some speculation, what have you. Uh, we, we will do our best to, to uh, capture the essence of your email on the air here. Um, but why don't we start off with um, a couple of iTunes reviews. Yeah, okay. So our first one here, uh, Mark, comes from BBQ Dan. Um, is, maybe- is that you? Is that you working a barbecue pit, Dan? Uh, <laughs> I, I wish it was. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I have different uh, you, uh, iTunes personalities for depending on what activities I'm doing. Okay. Yeah, no, this isn't me. But uh, Barbecue Dan says, uh, is one's titled Really Great, 5 out of 5. And it says, I just listened to Podcast 31 featuring Jerry Conway. I have to say how great this was. Mr. Conway must have these same questions asked about Gwen's death wherever he goes, but he was very patient. I enjoyed the interview. It was the first time I heard him speak about Spidey. Also, the interviewers, that's us, Mark, uh, asked great questions and were both knowledgeable about Spider-Man and respectful to Mr. Conway. Yeah, because we're respectful kind of guys, Dan. We try try our best. We wouldn't diss the great Jerry Conway. No, Uh, never, (laughs) never. Um, Um, it was great so, to have him on. I mean, and I'm glad that you guys are enjoying it. So, so thanks, BBQ Dan. Yeah, um, and, and and I know exactly what he was saying about in terms of you know I'm sure Jerry gets these questions asked to him over and over and over again. But hey, he never got them asked by us on Superior Aspire Talk. So I'm glad that we were able to have that conversation. That was that was a thrill for me, you know. Yeah, and I, I think if there's anything that we're trying to do on here is to kind of create an an ever growing archive so that. You know, these things can be gone back to and and, you know, for those who are just getting into Spider-Man 2 or maybe aren't as, you know, involved in the community as some others, you know, you're getting those initial questions out of the way are, are always good, you know, to kind of get some reinforcement of your knowledge. And then who knows, we could definitely have Jerry back on again. It seemed that he enjoyed the show. So, um, you know, we can get maybe next time we'll open the questions up to you guys. And we can get find out more of the little kernels you're trying to discover. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me look at this other uh, iTunes review here. Um, it's uh, 
titled Amazing and Superior, five out of five stars, and it's by the Metal Avenger 1134. Uh, so apparently an Avenger fan who likes heavy metal. I don't know. So Metal Avenger writes, one of the best comic book podcasts on iTunes. It's a show with guys who actually read Spider-Man comics. They have great insight and opinions. Superior Spider-Man is coming to a close. Can't wait to see Pete back at the helm and behind the mask. You and me both, right, Dan? <laughs> I think we've been saying it for a number of episodes here. Yeah, well, we are openly welcoming Pete back behind the mask. Not saying we don't love Otto, obviously. No, I think I think I can say I don't love Otto anymore. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't love him, but I'm enjoying. He didn't him. murder Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be all well and great when he redeems himself, but you know, can we can we not ignore the fact that he murdered Peter Parker? <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because like, you read people that are like, I love seeing Otto as a hero, and I'm like, except for the fact that his hero mom, like moment, his Uncle Ben moment was murdering our favorite character. Exactly, <laughs> um, and I, I did. I, I do find Metal Avengers comment interesting that we're that we actually read the Spider-Man comics. I would hope so. I don't. I don't think I've ever done a review without actually reading the comic, Dan. Although that would be interesting. That would bring me back to college when I would write a report on a book I never read. Yeah, I, I wish I read less Spider-Man comics. I have to buy every single thing that comes out, but you know, it's all part of this shared universe that we're meant to understand so yeah i mean reading the spider-man comics boy that's just the beginning of what we do <laughs> um do we want to move to email stan well i do want to say uh you know we're at 38 reviews on itunes i'd love it if we could get to 50 um if i can make a push for you guys to support us get us up to 50 it'll really help getting uh the word out about the show on itunes it really bumps us up in the ratings there so that we're more searchable within comics and hobbies and things like that. And, you know, only good things can happen to the show by reviewing it and getting it out there to other people because, you know, we'll get more interesting questions, more feedback. We can reach out to creators a bit more, uh, saying with our larger audience. So, you know, help us out by giving us some reviews. I love to see it push to 50. Let's see how fast we can do that if you guys can get the word out to get us to 50 reviews. I I I concur, Dan. <laughs> now let's go into some some emails. Now let's get some email. <laughs> um, so the first email that we got comes from Dennis Mercier, who's uh, been a longtime listener of the show, um, and he wrote a really nice uh, note to us about how he's uh, collecting Amazing Spider-Man comics now as a result of listening to the show. But he um, the question he asked us is um, he says. I was curious, what are your favorite Spider-Man costumes? I have a huge soft spot for the black costume. I think it's really clean and elegant in design. I'm always glad when it makes a return. On the other hand, I'd be happy never seeing the Iron Spider spider suit show up again. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts on your favorite Spider-Man costume? I guess we can just say not including the black suit because I think we all like that suit. Yeah, black suit's pretty awesome. Plus, you know, created by our good friend Ron Friends. Um, so, you know, how could you not love that? Um, I guess I can't count the uh, Fantastic Four Bagman, right? Uh, <laughs> not technically a spider suit. Um, actually, I, I am going to think a little outside the box here. I'm going to pick the um, Spider-Man 2099 costume. Um, there, there is just something about the, the design and how it kind of calls back to obviously the original red and blue, but with that really kind of interesting contemporary spin on it or futuristic spin, I guess. Um uh, I just have a true soft spot for it. I love that when they brought Miguel O'Hara back in Superior, that the, the suit went unchanged. I think that was a good recognition. I know even Ryan Stegman was like, why would I change the suit? And he shouldn't have. And I was very happy to see it there. What about you, Dan? Yeah, um, I actually am going to take um, a disagreement here with Dennis writing in because I actually happen to really like the Iron Spider suit. Um Mostly just because I think it's so different from everything else, but it still maintains that kind of Spider-Man quality um, about it. That kind of, you know, especially with those arms coming out of the back. I thought that was a real neat touch. Um, There's a really great um, uh, cover to an issue during Civil War where it was, uh, was, I I believe it was a variant cover where Spider-Man is up on his legs uh, over the Captain America shield. Um, 
I'll put that image down here into the podcast um, that I thought was really cool, and I, and I, I liked seeing it come back here, those arms in Superior Spider-Man. Um, so I guess I would say the Iron Spider suit. I mean, I guess if I had to choose another one, it would be like the Scarlet Spider costume I think is really cool. Are we talking um, about the hoodie, the hoodie, Ben Riley hoodie costume, or another one? The 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 one that was later adopted by Spider Girl. Oh, I, I I know. Okay, yeah, um, I know that the one that sh- first showed up in the Dan Jurgens Sensational series. Yes, I, which I, I think was designed by our good friend Mark Bagley, actually. Yes, it it was, and um, I, I think it's quite a good outfit. So. Um, uh, really elegantly designed and, ni- and nice to see it show up again in Spider Girl. So um, that might be my second choice. I actually like the hoodie, hoodie Scarlet Spider. So I'm going to use that as my as my second choice. You know, give give a shout out for Tom Lyle who was on our show uh, during the New York Comic Con batch of episodes. Because you does- know what's Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, what's wrong with just throwing a sweatshirt over a, over a costume, right? Yeah, it's kind of practical sometimes, too. <laughs> um, I think there is, like, there's a certain something that, like, makes a Spider-Man costume, and I don't know that, like, necessarily all of the costumes have gotten it. Um, you know, recently we had, you know, we had the armored spider suit, that kind of black and gold suit that showed mm. up during, uh, you know, big time when... Spider-Man lost his spider sense, and right, he had to go right. take on um, Menace. Not Menace. What am I talking uh, about? Uh, Massacre. Massacre. There we go. Thank you. You're, you're uh, confusing your M villains. Yeah. Oof. Uh, Massacre. How could you forget that? Um, but uh, I actually like that issue quite a bit. And uh, for for a while there, like the, I don't think that costume is very Spider-Man-y. It's more of like a Batman or like Night Thrasher outfit. Um, and while interesting, I, I would never put it in my, like, top ten Spider-Man costumes because it just doesn't have that that Spider-Man-ness to it. Nor did the um, – that, like, spider armor padding that he had, I yes. think, during Ends, yeah. of, Ends of the Earth where it was this clunky yeah. thing. I would never put that in there either. So I think there's a real fine art to coming up with a good Spider-Man costume. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, there's a fine line, and you know, we don't always, we don't always get, don't, don't always get on the right line, right side of that line, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, in terms of a couple other emails, um, we we got a great email from uh, Kyle, uh, Chris, Chrissy. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Um, he um, sends us some speculation. Regarding some time travel and the Green Goblin's possible uh, identity involving, you know, something that we were jokingly speculating about earlier in this episode with someone who might be younger as the Green Goblin. Uh, Kyle, as always, we thank you uh, for your feedback here. Um, And then um, we have one more email here, Dan. Yeah, we had an email from Tom Aiello um, who also sent us some more uh, uh, speculation about... Norman Osborn and, and um, the idea that he might be the Goblin. And we really appreciate all your speculations. They're fun to read and they inform some of our um, ideas um, on, you know, like who might be in that costume. But at this point, I think we're all past speculation. We just want to find out who it is. But I wanted to particularly uh, shout out to Tom Aiello because um, he's a senior chief United, uh, in the United States Navy and he Reenlisted. He sent us all these pictures of um, of his cake that he uh, got, a Spider-Man cake, which I'll include here in the podcast um, for uh, his reenlistment. And uh, he also has this really neat Spider-Man tattoo, which he sent us a picture of, which you can see also here um, down in your podcast feed. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, nice nice to hear from you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for listening, obviously, and thanks for for serving our country, Tom. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, why don't we talk about some news and rumors? Another day I 
You know, Dan slots at it again on Twitter, Dan. You know, fanning those flames. Uh, you know, we, we, we've been getting these little, little parceled out bits, uh, and I, I think they're all kind of related to each other. You know, the, there was this one tweet that Dan had put out uh, about a week or so ago where he talked about that there's a big lie that he can't reveal yet that that he's that, you know, basically implies that, you know, we've all been kind of sold on the, you know, wrong bill of goods here and that there's, there's something that's going to be revealed in Superior that's going to kind of, you know, kick off a big lie about something. <laughs> Dan, what could be Dan's big lie? I have no clue, but I think you do, Mark. Well, you know, I I, I am I am kind of convinced that we're we're not um, the superior error is not going to end in April. I, I've come to this conclusion. I think the game is going to continue, and uh, you know, as of right now, I'm not totally happy about that but you know i want to be patient see where it goes um where where i think it ties in is uh, i believe it was bleeding cool had a story up this week uh talking about um some big hush hush event and surprise that um dan slot is going to unveil when he when once he's back in the states he's been at london comic-con uh over the past uh weekend um, so, and they're apparently come the fall, there's going to be some mega Spider-Man game changing event. So, you know, I'm putting it out here first before, and, you know, if Dan slot announces what everything's going to be beforehand, you know, then shame on me. You can think of that. I'm just pretending to know when I already heard the news, but I think that the, the battle is going to continue. Peter is going to return, but he's still going to think he's Otto. So it will be a little bit of a reversal on the current status quo. And I think there's going to be some kind of major showdown for for supreme control or whatever come the fall. So we're going to have this kind of incremental uh, ease back with Peter, um, you know, from, you know, through April through the summer. And then by the fall, we're finally going to, like, have the moment we've been building to, quote unquote. And uh, I think that's really interesting. If I had to put my money down, I'd say Peter's back. But Otto is still living in his brain somewhere as a blue ghost thing. Um, so we'll see. Um, and do you th- and what would you think the event would be? Do you think it's related or no? I mean, I think it would be maybe Otto's true death or like Peter's, you know, um, remembrance of his memories. I, I, I don't know. I, he, he threatens or not. Maybe I'm taking it as a threat. He asserts. That he's going to change the character in a life-changing way, and uh, boy, I don't really know what what else there. Is. How many times can can this dude do this to this, to this character? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I I I don't even want to imagine what could be the <laughs> the next major life-changing thing for Peter. I mean, they, can they just kill him again after a couple of months? Would they go that far? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like Dan Slott has like tasted like the finest wine, and it's and it's you know screwing up Peter Parker's life like to an like an irredeemable spot, and he's like, I got to do it again, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just one, one more. I can stop at any time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It drummed up sales like none other. I I can do it again. Yeah, but it, you know, staying on this book, I can do it again. Hey man, I, I I hate to invoke it, but you know the Clone Saga was good for sales initially too. Just saying. Yeah. Twentieth <laughs> anniversary this summer. Be there for it, people. <laughs> speaking speaking of the Clone Saga, let's move over into the Ultimate Universe. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> hey, you know, in the Ultimate Universe, the Clone Saga isn't a dirty word. No, it's actually a really well done story. But yeah, so what's going on in the Ultimate? universe well um in uh uh, a preview for the upcoming ultimate spider-man number 200 which is a debatable number there's a funny bleeding cool article about this and how they arrived at number 200 which is a bit disputable and either either, anyway 200 aside there (laughs) is a big anniversary issue coming up where uh in the comic 
The world is mourning the loss of Peter Parker, and it is the second anniversary since his death at the hands of the Green Goblin. And um, Aunt May, it looks like Aunt May and Gwen Stacy are, are throwing some kind of cocktail party or some kind of event to gather everyone that cared about Peter Parker together um, to celebrate you know, his time on, in the Ultimate Universe. And um, there's some beautiful-looking artwork, and, and the book is going to feature artwork from, like, every single artist that worked on Ultimate Spider-Man, which is quite a, quite a talented bunch. Um, yeah, definitely. Except uh, Stuart Immonen, who's not coming back. But um, e- even still, a, a, a wonderful array of artists of all different types um, coming back. I'm actually excited for David LaFuente's uh, return. I know he was not a beloved um, artist on that book for many people, but I really enjoyed his take on the universe. Um, and it's nice to see him be included uh, despite how controversial he was. Um, on the book. But um, let me get to my point here. There is a double page spread that was revealed from um, our good friend Mark Bagley um, that showcases a number of, uh, of the big figures in the Ultimate Universe that kind of dominate this universe, and um, including a Captain America who, if I'm, if I'm to have read correctly, died in Ultimate Cataclysm, the uh, Ultimate's Last Stand, issue four. Um, he's featured there too, so I don't know if this is a, a memory. There's no text given, but the real highlight, and you can look down at your podcast screens, is a Spider-Man wearing a very scarlet and gold-colored um, outfit um, that is almost reminiscent of the Iron Spider we were talking about earlier. Um, but um, this this caused a lot of people to ask a lot of questions about it, particularly because. Miles Morales' Spider-Man costume is featured in the background. So it seems as if to say this is a new character. Um, And even the solicit for this issue implies that there is something sinister going on surrounding Peter's uh, past. So – and and, and then on Brian uh, Bendis' Tumblr page, an anonymous fan asked – um, if there was any chance of a Scarlet Spider character being introduced. And Bendis said, keep an eye on Ultimate Spider-Man number 200. So the question, but putting all these things together is, is this Ultimate Scarlet Spider? And what does that mean? Mark, do you have any thoughts know. on this? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said enough for both of us. Although another interesting tidbit, ultimate related, that came out of Bendis's feed is it looks like we're going to have Spider-Man 2 at some point, right? Yeah, that's been greenlit as well, it appears. Although we have no information about who the artists um, on that are so um, or what the story will be. But I, I imagine it will pick up where the last one left off. We're going to find out who – Miles Morales is in the 616 universe? Yeah, and, you know, there has been some speculation about uh, this new Learning to Crawl miniseries from, you know, that's going to take place in the mainstream universe about, you know, who is this second Spider-Man? There are some people saying Miles Morales, although you have some theories from the latest uh, June solicitations about who this mysterious uh, young teenage villain is, right, Dan? I do, I do, and and uh, and we can get right into that now if you'd like. I think we should. That was the segue, Dan. <laughs> oh, I completely missed it. Yes, well, actually, um, as of a couple hours ago, as of this recording, there is uh, the new solicits out for June's books in uh, the Spider-Man universe, and it looks like we're getting some Black Cat action. Who she's back for revenge, um, and also that Spider-Man is teaming up with uh, Pedro. Um, who's still the boyfriend to Mary Jane. Um, and we're also teased that whoever came back in issue one is back again. And you and I both are assuming, I guess, that that's Otto. Yeah. Um, but the other interesting thing is the Amazing Spider-Man 1.2, which is the second issue in the Learning to Crawl series. Um, mention, on the cover, it has Flash Thompson looking to beat up Peter Parker. Um, and then the um, solicit says... Meet Clash, New York's newest menace. He may be Spidey's biggest fan, but he's about to become one of his worst enemies. Mark, what does that sound like to you? 
Sounds like Flash Thompson, president of the Spider-Man fan club, has taken on the, the side of villainy here, right, Dan? Yeah, it, it does seem that way. I mean, Clash isn't exactly a far deviance from Flash. So no. um, it would make sense that, you know, Slot has teased this as a character that is Peter Parker's own age for him to battle. But I don't know how we could go missing the fact that Flash was at some point super villaining it up. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked from the solicitation if Flash was indeed Clash, but I don't know if Clash is indeed the villain that Dan Slott has been teasing us this whole time. I still I still uh, hold out the jury on that one. Yeah, so that's really interesting too, I think. Yeah, and then um, I guess for our final bit of news, um, our, our um, I, I can't say our good friend Steve Ditko because I don't I don't think Steve Ditko will ever come on our show, but uh, he's got an interesting Kickstarter campaign going on. Dan, well, maybe interesting because of uh, Ditko's personal beliefs. <laughs> uh, this just seems interesting, right, Dan? Yeah, I don't know. Like you know, if anybody that knows Steve Ditko or not even personally, but knows you know. Steve Ditko's belief system. He's a real believer in um, this theory of uh, objectivism. Uh, you know, by uh, it's a, it was posed like by Anne Rand in all of her books, like The Fountainhead and um, other Agnes Shrugged. Um, and which uh, I read once. Yeah, I read, <laughs> all twelve hundred pages of it. <laughs> I, read, I read it too, just so I can have an opinion. And um, <laughs> the idea of it is kind of like this. Uh, self-fulfillment and, and only relying on yourself and that life's quest is to, you know, to make your own self happy and, and, and not others. Um, and, and it's been criticized and adopted by different, you know, sides of the country and political philosophies. And, um, and some believe that it was what led him to kind of have disagreements with Stan Lee, who is clearly not that. Um, of that mindset, although maybe you could argue otherwise. Yeah, um, well, well, I mean, and, and it did bleed into the pages at points. I mean, I mean, I still love that one scene in Amazing Spider-Man 38 where Peter is walking by the protesters and it's like, what do those kids want now? And it's like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on in this comic book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the only reason I, I, I wrote an article about this on my site and uh, was you know Kickstarter? He went to Kickstarter with his new project, and and Kickstarter is about crowdsourcing and crowdfunding and using, you know, I guess your peers and and the community to get your project paid for. Um, and whether or not I feel like this kind of like adheres to that um, that mindset, maybe it's just me picking a bone with that particular uh, dogma because it you know I feel like you could say that like. You should only live for yourself to a point at which you rely on other people. Um, and I guess you could make an argument that Kickstarter gives you kickbacks for if you support it, you get something out of it. So everybody is still serving themselves here. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. I mean, regardless, it's nice to see him still creating. Um, and this new – he has a, an issue called – a new book called um, uh, Teen Number 19. Um, and – you know, it could be an interesting book. It follows his madman character. If anybody uh, follows those those things, apparently enough people do, because it got funded pretty quickly. Um, it's at four four and a half thousand dollars when they only asked for twenty one hundred. So, I, I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, it's nice to see him creating, but I question whether this fits with his ideology. It's funny, Dan. I, I there's no question. I think that was a good pickup by you and a good little analysis of. The 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 complications of such a system. Uh, so so good eye, Dan. Well, uh, th- thank you, Mark. Um, <laughs> I think it's about time for us to say goodbye. What do you think, Mark? I think I agree with you. Are you getting along in the tooth? Uh, something like that. It's. Do Am I, I misusing long- that uh, phrase? I don't know. You might be. I, I my brain is starting to become mushy from from all the spider speculation. So we'll just let it go. And <laughs> this has been a lot of spider speculation. Of course, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts and speculations at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk. And if you do, you can please leave us a rating and comment to let us know how we're doing. 
And as always, we'll read it on the air like we did today. If you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, please email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read them on the air. Yeah, and also be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superiorspidertalk because it's a great place to keep up with us in between shows. We put our articles up, you know, we talk, some comic codes go up there, some photos from fans. It's a great, great little community there, right, Dan? Yeah, uh, I love spending time on our Facebook page, and it will get you to a lot of these articles and topics that we've talked about here on the show today. So go and check it out. Absolutely. So, Dan, where can we find you on the interweb? Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @dangavazdin or visit my website, dangavazdin.com. You can read my movie reviews at grindmyreels.com, and you can read all of my Spider-Man writing and listen to these podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or by following Sup Spider Talk on Twitter. Mark, what about yourself? Yeah, well, you know, my usual home base is www.chasingamazingblog.com. Follow me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog, on Facebook at facebook.com slash chasingamazing. And then in terms of some other sites where you can find me, I will uh, write my 90s gimmick comic book cover uh, column, bleh, my 90s gimmick comic book column at Comic Should Be Good blog on CBR. And I'm now writing some nice... Uh, pop culture related lists at whatculture.com so you can search for me uh, uh, by name through that well Mark it's been a long week as I think uh, listeners can probably tell we're a little out of it this week and and maybe a little tired but I I hope you guys enjoyed the show and are ready for the next show where we're going to cover both the annual and issue 30 so uh, I think it's going to be a pretty neat show yeah, and you know, and and if you if you feel your energy dragging listening to us as we're as we slog through these last moments, uh, just remember the advice of my good old uncle Ben: with great podcasts must also come superior spider talk. 